right, there's power in the blood. Yes. All right. Welcome to Aldersgate United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Gary Brooks, and along with uh, Pastors Daniel Refner and Maria Penrod, we welcome you, and we're glad you're here. This is World Communion Sunday, and we're joining with Christians all over the world in celebrating the uh, Lord's Supper, which is the inauguration of the New Covenant, and the bread and the wine. Everyone is invited to the table and to celebrate this newness of life that Jesus brings. Now, there is a special offering that we usually take, a second mile offering on World Communion Sunday. And uh, the offering, 50% of whatever we give goes to scholarships for graduate students in the United States and abroad, 35% for ethnic scholarships for undergraduate students, and 15% for in-service training programs for racial and ethnic persons. And now I'm picking up that Pastor Daniel and Pastor Maria have received scholarships in the past from the World Communion Sunday offering. You see the benefits of of our gifts. And when we combine our gifts with gifts all over, it becomes millions of dollars that uh, are employed to help. 100% of those offerings go to help people. Um, Oh, you know, hey, Rich, there's there's, there's something going on today. Um, Just a minute, just a minute. Hmm. 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 Wonder what it might be. Hmm. Hmm. What should we do? Should we do it? All right. Oh, where's I going? What's the note? I love you truly, John and Jean, dear. You've been so faithful. 65 years God's richest blessings be yours today we love you truly John and Jean dear 65 years of wedded bliss to John and Jean Davies yes that's what it was Oh, all right. That's pretty cool. Ah, you didn't know I was going to do that, did you? Yeah, rest of you get up 65 years, I'll sing to you. Yep, yep, yep. We have flowers this morning placed in loving memory of, of Lynn Blankenship. Services in his honor were held this past Monday. And then also our beloved Joyce Johnson passed away, and services in her honor will be this coming Thursday at 2 o'clock here in the sanctuary. And then uh, another person passed away this uh, week. Virginia Kaufman is her name. And Virginia had requested that there not be a service for her. And whenever that happens, I want to take a moment because we all love, anyone who knew her loved Virginia.
Virginia. She was born August 16, 1934. She was 88 years old when she passed on the 25th in hospice care. She worked as a hospital administrator for many years in Oklahoma. She enjoyed knitting and crocheting, many Afghans and doilies and some wall hangings that she had made. She was a member of Aldersgate, where she was baptized and received on the profession of her faith in Jesus Christ on August 21st, 2016. She will be remembered for her sweet spirit and her perseverance in the face of adversity. Bonnie Pratt, uh, you're one of the ones who helped pick her up and make sure she got to church when she first started. And I want to thank you for your leadership in, in her abiding commitment and uh, friendship. Heavenly Father, thank you for Virginia Kaufman. We thank you for the life that she lived. And uh, in this moment, we praise you for the life that you provide for the saints when this life is finished. May her memory be vivid, and may we walk in such a way that when we pass, we too shall be reunited with those we love in your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, there's other uh, announcements in your bulletin. I hope you'll take note of them and feel free to participate at whatever level you would like to. We have a, a welcome orientation group this Wednesday evening at 6.30 if you're new to the church and would like to have a tour of the church and hear the Aldersgate story. It'll be this Wednesday at 6.30. Okay. Now, you can sing to one another if you want to, but let's at least stand and turn and greet one another in Christian love. If you don't know someone, ask their name and tell them yours.
Let us join together in the call to worship. Nurturing God, we confess that it is easy to love our neighbor and hate our enemy. Fill us with love for our enemies. We confess that it is more natural for us to retaliate against our enemies than to reconcile with them. Compel us to pray for those who persecute us. Turn our hearts and minds to you, making us complete and mature in our faith. So we may walk as Jesus walked and live as he lived. Let us continue to praise our Lord and Savior by singing, Oh Jesus, I have promised.
please join me in the invocation. God of love, you meet us where we are, but you don't leave us there. Your grace transforms us, aligning our hearts to yours. As we fix our eyes on you, may we grow in love for you, for ourselves, for our neighbors, and for our enemies. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. At the end of October, we're going to begin talking a little bit more about financial stewardship as we move into the fall season. Uh, but one of the things that we want you to know about, uh, a new small group that is beginning this Wednesday night at 6.30. Uh, and this is an opportunity for you. Uh, if you are in a place where you are wanting to incorporate your faith into your personal finances, Jesus calls us to be faithful with what we have. And sometimes knowing how to do that is difficult, especially in the midst of the economy as it is now. So, this new small group is called Saving Grace, A Guide to Financial Well-Being. This will go for six weeks, beginning this Wednesday at 6.30. Uh, it'll be led by Dave and Deb Hammond, who have taught this class before. They are wonderful. They know what they're talking about. And this is a comprehensive class taught from a Wesleyan perspective uh, to help you gain practical skills and incorporate your faith uh, into how you s steward uh, the financial uh, resources you have. So if you'd like to know more, there's a, a sign-up sheet at the welcome booth. Uh, this is going to be a wonderful opportunity, so I hope you will consider taking advantage of it. Again, that begins this Wednesday at 6.30. One other thing that I want to just make mention of, uh, if you notice in your pew pockets, you should see a red card. Uh, we haven't talked about these in a while, but these cards are there for you if you choose to give online. Uh, many of the people in our community give their, uh, their offerings in this way. And so if that is you, you are encouraged to take this card and put it in the plate as it comes by as a sign of your gift. If you don't currently give online but would like to know more, there's a QR code, uh, and that will um, help you get uh, signed up for that. Uh, it's a very easy thing to do. So with those two things in mind, I would invite the ushers to come forward and receive our gifts for today.
Okay, you can sit down and accept if there's any children who'd like to come and look at this big Bible with me. Yeah, come on down if you want. sit over here. We got two. How good is that? Yeah, welcome. Hey, Kent Moxley is one of the guys in our church, and he brought me a big Bible. Um, our sermon series is, What If Jesus Really Meant What He Said? Now, there are some Bibles that have the words of Jesus in red letters. Anybody seen a Bible? Have you seen a Bible like that that has red letters? My friend has it. Has one? So you know exactly. There's a picture on the front of what Jesus might have looked like uh, as he's listening to the teachers. But we open it up and if, uh, to find the New Testament. If you open it up in the middle and then go right, <gasps> there's the red letters. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even a verse or two in the rest of the New Testament, and especially the book of Revelation, which uh, has uh, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, uh, are the words of Jesus. But here are some, that's a lot, it really is. It's a lot of red letters. And it's fascinating when you have that because, you know, just thumbing through here, you can see how much Jesus taught. That whole section is red. That whole section is red. Yeah. Yeah, and um, this is pretty cool. Yeah, and oh, look at there, that, that practically those whole, both of those pages. Oh, hey, and we're right there where our scripture is for today. I'd like for you to listen when we read the gospel lesson this morning. It's going to be from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. And that's when a, a young lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what do I do to have eternal life? And so Jesus talks about that. So uh, listen very carefully. And it talks about a man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was on the way, some bandits attacked him, beat him, and left him for dead. And it tells about how the man received the help that he needed. So that's pretty cool. There's another verse that's John 3, 16. And it's over here and it says, For God so loved the world. Do you know that one? For God so loved the world he, that he sent his one and only son. Um, that whosoever, that whoever. That whosoever believes in him. Should not. Should not perish but have eternal life. Wow. Yes, yes, I love it because I believe everyone should memorize that particular verse, and it, it's not easy for everyone to do that, but if you memorize that and you don't have a Bible anywhere around, why? You've got one that you can say, and it conditions your heart, and there was uh, uh, another one that is Jesus that says, uh, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, Fear not, little children, for it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
And that's the story I want to have you hear, is that it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom so that you will never be alone and you will always have Jesus with you as your guide. There's another picture there. And uh, let's see. And there's another picture. This is a classic one of uh, Jesus the Good Shepherd with some little lambs. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So that's what we're talking about when you listen to the message today and messages on other Sundays. What if Jesus really meant what he said when he said that? And so we're going to take a look at the story of what's called the Good Samaritan. All right? So listen up. Well, if you want to see the red letter edition, come on up afterwards and you can see all the red letters you would like to. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious Bible which holds the record of the story of the people of God. May we savor its words and learn of its truth that our lives might be conditioned to walk with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for looking at this Bible with me, and thanks for sharing the verse. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 15. Hear now the word of God. Beloveds, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new commandment that is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says, I am in the light, while hating a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister abides in the light, and in such a person that is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates a brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go, because the darkness has brought on blindness. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young people, because you have conquered the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young people, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things of the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor Maria. Uh, talking about uh, the, the author saying, I don't give you a new commandment. I give you one that's been around forever. And it talks about hatred. I, I got to thinking, this would be cool when uh, Pastor Daniel was talking about a QR code. What do you say we make a card that we could put in the queue, in the pew, and then uh, you could uh, snap your phone at that, get a QR code, and find out who your enemies are? 
Wouldn't that be cool? You'd know who to steer clear of, and you'd know who to hate. Yeah, I, I had someone say, you know, when Jesus tells me to hate someone, I will be the first to do so. Hmm. I think it has everything to say about the gospel lesson today. Because it talks about being a neighbor, yes, but it talks about how neighborly an enemy might be, often called the parable of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 25. I invite you to stand as we read it together. For a lawyer came up to Jesus and had a question. It was kind of a trick question. They were always trying to get Jesus to trip and to uh, say something that would get him in trouble because they were jealous of the new covenant that he was unleashing upon the world, a covenant of love, a covenant, covenant of reconciliation, a covenant that helps us step beyond the law and look at the heart. Chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looked at the lawyer. Now, lawyers were were uh, uh, those who interpreted the law of Moses. The first five books, all 613 commandments, they would represent the law in uh, uh, the courts uh, system of the day. It's kind of like, lawyer, you should already know this. And Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer repeated back to him one of the most treasured verses in the Bible called the Shema. From Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then he also quoted Leviticus 19, 18, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, well, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer, wishing to justify himself, said, um, just who is my neighbor? Another trick question. Well, Jesus didn't hesitate. It was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell amongst robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest came by. When he saw the man, he walked by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw the man, he too passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, ooh, I can imagine Jesus paused just for a moment. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came to the place, and when he saw the man, he was moved with pity. 
And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put the man on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which is two days' wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. And when I return, whatever more you spend, I will repay you. And then Jesus said to the lawyer, Which of these three do you think proved neighbor to the one who fell among robbers? And the lawyer couldn't even bring himself to say Samaritan. The lawyer replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Actually, I think that's a pretty good idea. Uh, let's, let's, let's figure this out, how we can do a QR code so we can know who our enemies are. And uh, you could enter uh, your, your enemy on, on the database, and uh, we could make sure everybody knew who your enemies were. If uh, you're a Republican, it might be a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, it might be a Republican. Oh, the political divide, it's getting nasty, isn't it? And we're hurtling straight toward the abyss of hell by our fighting. If the Republicans are for it, the Democrats are not. If the Democrats are for it, the Republicans are not. And the conspiracy language and the lies and the stories and the truth, it's hard to know what to believe anymore. It really is. How then shall we live? And actually, uh, the lawyer who was uh, listening to Jesus, I don't think he was touched at all by the, the priest and the Levite who went by because he was a lawyer. He knew exactly what was going on. The priest really couldn't stop and help because the guy was bloodied and, and uh, you're not supposed to touch a bloody... It would, it would, it would uh, uh, contaminate the purity which a priest was supposed to observe in order to uh, do service in the temple. And, and if he had to go through all the purification rituals, it would be a long time before he could actually serve in the temple again. And so he had a reputation to keep. In fact, when, when you, I, I haven't been to the Holy Land, nor do I really want to go. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. But I love to study about this, and the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is not a four-lane highway, especially in Jesus' day. It is now, but in Jesus' day, it was more of a path, and it wove through and up and down over a very rocky and hilly terrain, and it was a place easily occupied by thieves and bandits. And so the possibility exists that when the priest passed by on the other side, he probably, he might have very well had to step over 
the one he passed by to get around. It depends on where it is on that path. The Levite, very much the same situation, a religious leader. The Levites were the ones who led the singing on Sunday morning, and they were the ones who helped prepare the sacrifices and did maintenance work in the temple and did some of the other kinds of supportive adventures. They, too, had to follow some of the purification laws, and they had to be careful. And so the lawyer thought, well, it's okay. I understand why the Levite had to walk on by. Besides, this fellow in the ditch might very well have been a decoy and uh, actually a plant. And if you knelt to help him, he might rise up and rob you and hurt you. And so you had to be careful. Oh, how many excuses we have for passing by on the other side. And the lawyer could very well not have blamed the priest and the Levite at all. But he was out to horribleize Jesus, especially now that Jesus is bringing up one of the arch enemies of the Jewish people, and that was Samaritans, the Samaritans. The Jews hated the Samaritans, and it goes all the way back to when the Assyrians uh, conquered the northern kingdom in 722 B.C., and they carried off a bunch of people, but they left some in the northern kingdom, and they repopulated it with Assyrians that they brought in and made them to live in the northern kingdom, and they became friends, and they intermarried, and so the Samaritans were actually Jewish people, but they intermarried with folks who were not their own blood, and so they were half-breeds. And so the Jews didn't like them. And the reverse was also true. The Samaritans grew to despise the Jews. Can you imagine being the person lying in the ditch, bruised and bloodied, and finally clearing some of the, the, the sweat from your eyes and being able to look up at who was hovering over you and to discover that it's your worst enemy? Now, now I'm done for. But to his surprise, it was his enemy that became his salvation, his helper. I mean... On a good day, if you didn't take enough water and provisions, by the time you got halfway to Jericho, you would be pretty thirsty and, and you could succumb to the heat of the desert. And now here this man was bruised and bleeding and he didn't have any provisions. He maybe was not far from his demise. You need to be careful who you hate because it might very well be that you might need the kind assistance of the one you've despised the most think about that for a minute I'm sure the lawyer thought about it for a minute and perhaps the lawyer went away very sad like some others who didn't really want the teaching and the truth that Jesus had to provide when Jesus said, who do you think was the true neighbor here? 
Now, the lawyer didn't dare say Samaritan because then he would be acknowledging that an enemy could be a friend. He was slow to answer at all because he wasn't sure he still had any like for a Samaritan. And I imagine he hung his head and said, the one who showed him mercy and walked on by. In our world today, if there's ever to be any reconciliation, it has to start somewhere. And one of the things I'm so proud of is the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, we have our difficulties. We have our disagreements. And, and there are as many different opinions about lots of issues as there are people in this room. And yet we come together and we seek to build bridges. We seek to find ways to reconcile. We seek to find ways to build up. We seek to, to, uh, to share the good news of a new covenant which talks about love and forgiveness and peacemaking and wholeness. That's what I like about the church. Is even though we trip and we fall and we still have those people we're not sure we like, we're rubbing shoulders with positive people. And we're stirring one another up, as the scriptures say, to love and good works. As we uh, take communion today, I give you permission, if you want, to uh, rip a page out of the hymnal if you need to, and you can, you can uh, write your enemies on that piece of paper. Go ahead, it's okay to do that. And when you come to communion, and you come to take a piece of bread and the wine, you can wad that up and drop it on the floor and give that enemy of yours to Jesus. And then you can walk in newness of life so that when life crashes around you and the one who comes to help you is one whom you had on that list, you will receive their gift of help with grace and thanksgiving. When Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room, it was a remembrance of the Passover. And with the bread, the unleavened bread and the wine, they remembered how God had spared them from the evil hand of Pharaoh all those centuries before. And now he's given a new meaning. And we celebrate that again with Christians all over the globe. How the bread is a symbol of new life. And that in the brokenness of Christ, we are made whole. He was broken for us so that we could be whole. And the, 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 the cup of the new covenant was a new covenant of love and reconciliation and making amends and building bridges ratified by the shedding of our Lord's blood. It was the beginning of a new covenant that included everyone, Jews, Samaritans, 
Muslims, people of any color, people of any orientation, people of any philosophy, all are invited to sup together at the table of the Lord and be a part of what God has to offer. And who are we to stand in the way of that by our prejudices and our hatreds? Think about that for a while. As you think about the one who walked from Jerusalem to Jericho, and then as you think about the one who walked from Jericho to Jerusalem, even Jesus Christ our Lord, who took that final journey to do for us what no one else could do. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And he gave us a new lease on life. Forgiveness where we have blown it. Grace where we don't know what to do. And hope for a future that is bright with the light of God. Amen. Our next hymn, the text is not in the hymnal, but it is adapted to work with the sermon. And you'll know the melody, it is Beach Spring. So here we go. Christ, your words of love confound us, even as we give you praise. For the lessons that you teach us seem so far from this world's ways. How can we love those who hate us? How can we love enemies? What a As we continue in worship today, we prepare our hearts to gather around the table. And on this World Communion Sunday, we remember and rejoice 
that we gather with Christians all across the world, regardless of nation or border or background, we come to the same meal to share in the love of Christ. Now, as we come in just a few moments, what I want to encourage you to consider as you come up to receive the bread and the cup, that you are coming to the world's largest lunch table. It's 1246. Uh, it's just about lunchtime. And it, as we come to the table, we are coming to the largest meal. For Christians around the world are gathering at this table just as we are to share in the meal that unites us all. The person who hosts this meal is Jesus Christ himself. He's the one who bids you come. And what's on the menu is nothing less than grace. We all come exactly the same as people who have fallen short and are in need of forgiveness and mercy. And so as we prepare our hearts to receive this meal, let us join together in our common confession. You'll find the words on the screen. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now hear this good news that resounds throughout time and space. That Christ died for you and for the whole world while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Friends, let us be in prayer. Gracious God, we gather this morning with grateful hearts, for your love knows no bounds. Your love knows no borders. It knows no nations. But in the love of Christ, you have cast your presence all across creation. God, forgive us when we are constricted by our own borders, our own boundaries, when we fail to see the way that your love and your movement is global. We confess that in so many ways, God, we need the grace that you offer at this meal. So help us this day to love our enemies to pray for those who persecute us, to not judge. Help us, O oh God, to feel the presence of your love drawing near to us, for in so many ways we long to know that you are near and you are good. So restore our hearts. Fill us once more with the joy of salvation that as we come to gather around this world's largest lunch table, we would join with the voices of all the saints, all your people, to give you thanks. 
God, there are so many names, faces, and prayers that we hold in even the deepest places of our hearts. And so this morning we pause to lift up to you those people who need to know you're close. We pray especially this day for the family of Joyce Johnson as they grieve her death. We pray for the Doyle family and the loss of a grandmother, Esther, for the family of Virginia Kaufman and the Blankenship family, for all of those, God, who feel the weight of grief this day, give them the gift of hope. We pray for Dennis Morris and Melanie Mackley, for Lori Taylor and Lori Lowry, for Judy, and for all of the victims of Hurricane Ian, for those who continue to be in harm's way. We give you thanks for your faithful love, O oh God. And we pray that we would feel it this day, that it would even send us out to be your hands and feet in the world. God, it is always a good and a right and a joyful thing whenever we gather to give you thanks. For you have created us in your love and your image. And even when we turn away and our love continues to fail, your love in Jesus Christ, it always remains steadfast and sure. And so as we prepare to gather, we remember on that night that Jesus gave himself up for us that he gathered with his disciples in a small room and he took a piece of bread, lifted it up to heaven and gave thanks to you, O God. And then he passed it out to all who were there and said, take and eat of this, all of you. For this is not just a piece of bread. This is my body, which is broken and given for you. Likewise, when the supper was over, Jesus then took the cup gave thanks to you, O God, and then he passed it to his friends and said, drink from this cup, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant, poured out not just for you, but for every nation and every race, the whole world, for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of this often and remember me. So God, we do give you thanks for the grace that we find in Jesus Christ. Whether we feel close to you or if we're honest and things are difficult right now, your presence is here. So God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us who are here out of love for you and pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us this day, the body and the blood of Christ, that yes, we would be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by your love. God, make us one with the church across the world. Make us one with each other and make us one in ministry and mission to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor, power, and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And now with the confidence of those who are forgiven, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would those who are helping serve communion come up at this time? And I would invite you to come all the way up to the altar and we can give the uh, bread and the juice to you. And as they're coming up, I would just like to say a word that um, all are welcome to this table. You don't have to be a member of Aldersgate Church. Uh, uh, this is Christ's table. And so Christ invites all who love him and all who wish to love him more to come and feast at this table. So as we prepare the table, I invite you to be in an attitude of prayer.
As those who have been fed and nourished by the grace of God, let us pray together the prayer after receiving. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please stand if you're able for our closing hymn, Sent Forth by God's Blessing. Sent forth by God's blessing, a true faith confessing, the people of God from this dwelling take leave. The service is ended, or now be extended, the fruits of our It's so good to have many of you that are here for the first time or returning for the second time. How good is that? We're glad you're here. And we want to give you this benediction and wish you well in the coming week. Go from this place in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering that happiness is a journey and not a destination. Go and bear witness to the truth of God's word until everyone is saved. Practice responsible citizenship until... There are no more enemies. Paint the world beautiful with the brush strokes of your faithful service and then go work like you don't need the money. Study like you don't need the grades. Dance like no one is watching. And love like you've never been hurt. And may the peace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be your everlasting gift. Amen.